I just love a good story around Christmas time. I really love the stories that just jack you right in all your feelings. Those that kind of mess with you a little bit. Uh, no, I don't like Hallmark movies, but they, I guess, do the same thing from what I hear. I love the stories of Christmas, and I love the Christmas story. It has all of these twists and turns. It has characters that we can get enthralled with. There's something about a good story that just kind of draws you right in, right into the story. I want to read just a little bit of the Christmas story to you this morning. Luke chapter 2 is where we read kind of the, a big crux of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph and so Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, in, to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest rooms available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel appeared to them and the glory shone all around them. And they were terrified. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. I love, love the Christmas story. One of the things that is true about all stories is they all have to start somewhere, don't they? For you, your story started the moment uh, that conception took place, that moment where your, your mother found out that she was expecting herself. All stories start at the same place. You know, if you look up and down your, your rows, you'll probably see an infant nearby. You'll see a, a, a baby. And I love babies. My wife and I, we have, we have three kids. They're not babies anymore. I've been delivered from the diaper stage. I ain't ever going back either. We, we left those in the rear view mirror. And we're just keep on, keep on trucking. But I love births of babies. I love celebrating at births with other families and uh, other babies that are born into our church and in our community. It's such a wonderful thing because when you hold a baby in your hands, you are holding a blank canvas. You're holding the start of a new story. You're holding and you look at this baby in the eyes and all of a sudden you have dreams and visions and hopes and desires for this this infant. 
See, it's at the start of the story that the possibilities are endless. Hope abounds and the stories that will be told and the life that they will live has yet to be written. They are like this beautiful canvas waiting, just waiting for stories to be written about. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And all of our stories start there. But one thing I know about your story, because it's true of my story and it's true of just about every story, that every good story has plenty of plot twists, has plenty of unexpected turns that take place. Every good story has some unexpected things that take place because if, if the story began and you could tell exactly where the story was going within the first 10 minutes of that movie, you may as well turn it off, right? Don't waste your time on it because if you know how it's going to end and you know all of the things that are going to take place, it's not worth it. It's not really that great of a story, which tells me something about your life. That there's some great things yet to still be written probably about your life. Because I would venture to say that many of us in this room, we've experienced our own set of plot twists. You know, plot twists are so important to the story because they help develop the characters. And the same is true with the plot twist in your life. They've actually developed who you really are. What maybe you look back on as a regret could be written into something really redemptive. But we all have these plot twists that occur in our lives. You, you, you've experienced them. Maybe you started a job and it was a great job. You loved it. Six months in though, you were let go. You looked at the pregnancy test and it was positive and you were filled with such joy only months later to recognize that there was a miscarriage. Plot twist. Everything was going along great, but then you heard big turbulence and and one medical bill after another medical bill. And now you are filing for bankruptcy and the plot just seems to thicken. And it's in the middle of these plot twists. If we're not careful, we could easily lose our way. And when we're writing our own story, it's easy to get lost in our own stories to, to find ourselves in a place where we're struggling to figure out what's next when we're, when we're trying to do it. Friends, I've got some good news for you. The plot twists in your life that you think are going to crush you can have the potential to cultivate something beautiful in you. Those plot twists don't have to be the defining moments of your life. They could just be a turning moment in your life. See, it's in these plot twists that sometimes we can find ourselves feeling overwhelmed and get lost. But I believe that it's in these thick moments where we're not sure how it's going to turn out that God actually is trying to develop something of substance and character and who you are and develop a new resolve on the inside of you and on the inside of me. And sometimes in the middle of these stories, they take a big turn, not because that's how the script was written, but because the characters themselves just made a different decision. I used to love those books where you got to choose your own adventure. Remember those books where you could read and uh, at the end of a page or the end of a section, you could A, B, or C, and you could choose what the characters do. That was kind of fun. Didn't always turn out real well, right? Like it wasn't always a great story because I think as 
characters in our own stories, the choices that we make sometimes create more plot twists than what we care for. And to be truth be told, as characters, we're not really set up to write our own story. Because when you and I try and write our own story, it gets a little crazy and some things just don't make as much sense. Because we weren't meant to write our own story. Have you, have you ever done um, Mad Libs? Anybody ever done a Mad Lib? I thought it would be fun today to kind of uh, illustrate this point uh, and write a Christmas story together. Does that sound, does that sound okay? Can we, can we do it? We're going to do it whether you think it's a good idea or not, to be honest. So we may, may as well play, play along and, and have some fun in church. I, I want to put together a Mad Lib today, uh, but, but I'm going to need your help. So uh, boys and girls, I'm going to need your help on this. Moms and dads, adults, I'm going to need your, your input on this. And you can just shout these out. I, first, I need a number, any number. Let me hear it. Seven is what I heard first. Okay. Now I need a noun. Dog. All right. Now I need a verb. Run. Okay. Great verb. You guys are doing wonderful with your grammar lesson. I need an adjective, please. Soft. I heard soft the loudest. It wasn't a soft answer, but I'm grateful for it. Uh, now I need a noun. Any noun. Cats. All right. I heard cat. Now I need another verb, please. Jump. I heard jump right up there. Great. Uh, can I have another adjective? Blue. Okay. Uh, now I need another color. Red. I heard red. And one more. Uh, moms and dads only on this one. Give me a real adjective here. Spiky. Spiky. Oh, man. Somebody sounds like an English teacher among, among us. I need a plural noun. Plural noun. Toasters. Toasters. Yes, indeed, this story is going to be special. I need another plural noun, please. Trees. I heard trees. That's going to be fun. Uh, another color. Purple. I heard purple. All right. We'll go with purple. And I need a part of the body. I heard leg. Uh, we'll go with leg. All right, here we go. Are you ready for our Santa's reindeer story? Let's, let's take a journey together, shall we? Here's our story. Did you know that Santa has seven reindeer? Some of their names are dog, run, soft, cat, and jump. <laughs> Reindeers are blue, mammals with red fur that feels spiky to the touch. They also have toasters on top of their heads. And instead of feet and toes, they have trees. Like horses. Rudolph is a special reindeer. He has a purple leg that lights the way for Santa on Christmas Eve. Give yourselves a hand. Just outstanding, really. Friends, you and I aren't meant to write our own stories. Because when we try and control our stories, when we try and write our own destiny, we easily can make more of a jumbled mess than something that makes sense and feels like we're ending somewhere on purpose. We could easily find ourselves at the end of the day feeling more empty than satisfied and it's all because we're the ones who are trying to scribble the script 
ourselves. You know, I believe that the hallmark of a great author and what really makes a good story is when there is an author who is writing the story who knows the beginning and the end. See, because if, 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 if you start somewhere and you know where you start, but you have no idea where you're going to end, you have a tendency of needing to try and rewrite, 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 rewrite. And the ending just sometimes doesn't end where we want it to. Because we're all looking for that storybook ending, but if we don't know the beginning and the end, it's hard to fill in the middle as well. I believe that's why God is the better author for your story than you are. See, because God is the beginning and he's in the end. Let me use a real churchy term for you. The Bible says he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. The reason God is the better author of the story is because he is there starting your story, giving you the life that you have. He remains with you in the middle of your story, no matter the twists and plot turns that come your way. And he's already anticipating the end of your story. And he's in all those places helping you along. That's what makes the Christmas story so amazing to me is that it was written with an end in mind, with a God who was present in the middle and who initiated the beginning. See, what you know and what I know as the Christmas story, we look at that story as complete history. We look back on the facts and understand that those things really did occur. We look back at the story knowing that it is history, but it was once a prophecy being foretold. What we gather around fireplaces and living rooms and kitchen tables and in churches like this, telling the story of Christmas today because it's already happened in the past, it was once just a story being told yet to occur. Over uh, 900 years before Jesus was ever born, before the star ever showed up, before the angels ever sang, before the shepherds gathered around, before there was no room in an inn, there was a man by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah had a message that came from God that he gave to other people. That's what we call prophecy. It's just simply a message from God through people to people. And Isaiah prophesies over 900 years before Jesus ever were to show up, And Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6, we hear some of this prophecy. It says this, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and my favorite, the Prince of Peace. For the greatness of the government and the peace, there will be no end. Years before Jesus ever showed up, before the story was born, before they were weighing in a manger and lonely silent nights and angels in the sky, there was a man delivering a message foretelling of a story yet to unfold. 
Why? Because there is a God who sees the beginning from the end and knows right where people are at in the middle, which means that perhaps today I came to prophesy to some of you that though your story had a beginning and it may have had a really rocky middle, there is a God who already knows the end. And if you will allow him, he will write and rewrite and reroute your story. So it has that storybook ending. The question is, are you willing to stop writing the story yourself? Because you can't have two authors. It doesn't really work as well. Because he'll write something, but if you write it and overwrite him, that's called your sovereignty and your free will. God will never override your sovereignty. God will never override your will. You have a will, and until you choose to submit your will to his will, you will continue to try and write and author your own story as it goes. Friends, you can trust God. You can trust God as the author of your story. You can trust him to write the script to help you navigate those times and those places. Why? Because he's in the middle of it with you. He created you. He knows you. Friends, I've got to tell you, there's some good news that you came to hear today. God has been thinking about you nonstop. His thoughts towards you are good thoughts. And not only are they good thoughts, he's got so many good thoughts about you. They outnumber the grains of sand in the world and outnumber the stars in the sky. That's how much good things he's got to think about you. You may not think very good things about yourself. Other people may have not told you very many good things about yourself, but God has been thinking about some good things regarding your story. The story that God is telling, it's a good story. It's a good story. You might sit there saying, Pastor, you don't understand. Um, my story is not all that great right now. See, see, I didn't think that I would be in this situation at this Christmas time ever. I certainly didn't think that it would be this early that I'd be celebrating Christmas without my parents. I certainly didn't think it would be this early in Christmas in my life that I would be celebrating with so much struggle and so much pain and, and so much history already behind me. You don't understand how bad and hurtful and painful my past is, Pastor. You just don't, you just don't know. And, and you're right, I don't know your story. I know my story. I know my story that's been riddled with pain. I know my story that's been riddled with unexpected death. I know my story that's been riddled with, with this character making some really dumb choices and having to live out those consequences. I know what this story has looked like and I know the regret that I've lived with, but yet God has found a way to redeem. Because no matter your level of regret, there is redemption available for you. And it comes when we allow God to rewrite our stories. God is writing a good story. I love the angel's announcement in Luke chapter 2. 
See, in Luke chapter 2, we read it a little bit earlier. The angel showed up and says, hey, guess what, guys? There's a baby that's been born. It's game-changing. This is a, a historical event. Don't miss it. Go see. And right before the shepherds went away, they, there's a whole chorus of angels, and they sang this really kind of crazy song. They, they sang, glory to God in the highest. Which when you look up at the stars and you see the, the sky that God made, you're like, man, what a magnificent thing. When I look up at the sky here in southeast Kansas, whether it be at sunrise or at sunset, I can't help but see the magnificence of God. We've lived here in Fort Scott for uh, just over two years, my family and I. And can I tell you, I am in love with the skylines that we get to see here. It is absolutely breathtaking. There is no doubt in my mind that the heavens and the earth and the skies and the world all around us declare of God's amazing glory as a creator. But that wasn't where the announcement ended. It said, glory to God in the highest and on earth. That's where you and I live. That's where our story unfolds. It's glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Peace is not the absence of turmoil. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of in-laws that stay too long at Christmas time. Nervous chuckle ensues. Peace is the presence of a person who showed up in a manger over 2,000 years ago. He's known as the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus. Peace shows up in your life when Jesus enters into scene. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, don't miss this last part, and good will toward good people. That's not what it said. And goodwill toward church folk. And goodwill toward young people who haven't made a mess of their life yet. Goodwill towards people who have never been drunk a day of their life, never touched drugs, never chewed tobacco, never smoked, and don't run around with girls that do. No, it's not what it said. It said, and goodwill to man. Kind. The will of God is good. The nature of God is good. Therefore, as an author, the stories that God wants to tell and write and, and produce, they are good. Didn't say they're perfect. Didn't say they're all tidy in a bow, wrapped. Just said they're good. God's desire towards you is that you would experience his goodness. His goodness. Early in scripture, there's a man by the name of Moses. And Moses was having a, a conversation with God and he was trying to figure out who this being was, this, this God was, as he's leading these people and he's trying to figure it out and this story is unfolding and he has no idea how it's going to end. All he knows is he's stuck with people on the earth that he's leading, that are around him, that are driving him nuts and he wants to like beat them all and they all keep complaining and whining. I know it's not like any of your kids as you walk through Walmart, that you never, but they are just whining and complaining and Moses has it up and, and he says, God, would would you just show us your glory? What was he asking God? He was asking God, God, show us what you're known for. 
If I were to say the name LeBron James, he would be known for basketball. If I were to say Patrick Mahomes, he would be known for amazing football, right? Come on, MVP. Okay, sorry. Uh, That's later today. We'll all chant that together. Those guys, their glory is what they're known for. And Moses was asking God, God, tell us, help us know who you are. Help us know that we can trust you. Help us know that this whole process is actually worth it. God, show us your glory. What's your glory? And God's response was, I will show you my goodness. In other words, when God wants to be known, he finds a way to bring goodness into your life. Glory in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace, goodness toward mankind. Goodwill toward mankind. When we allow Jesus to come into our story, we can trust that the storybook ending will occur. Why? Because it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. God has a way of taking the surrendered heart and migrating it towards his storybook desire and will for your life. God is a good God. He writes good stories. And even when they have the turns that go for the worst, God can take the darkest, the hurt, most hurtful, the most painful, the most tragic of circumstances. And when they are properly surrendered to him, he will write a story book ending. The, the question today that I came to ask you is, is not, has your story been perfect? And what I'm sharing with you today, it's not so much about, hey, have a perfect story. You want to have a perfect, a picture, perfect Christmas. Here's how you do it. Three points and a poem and let's go home. No, no. Here's why. Because there's not any such thing as the perfect life. There are no guarantees in the sense of if I do this, it's not like God is some vending machine. I can order up a perfect life and a latte that's just the right temperature. No. Because tragedy comes, trouble comes, circumstances change, things shift in our lives. And God has a way of being present with his peace in the middle and routing us towards that storybook ending, towards his good will for our lives. Friends, Today, I'm not asking you if you believe in God. That's not what I'm here to ask you. Nope. Because I would venture to say that most of us in some way, shape, or form have some awareness and even affinity towards a God, a being, somebody up there. We're really okay with the idea of God. I mean, after all, we're born in America and we're God-fearing Americans. I didn't ask you if you believed in God. I didn't ask you what country you were born in. All through the Christmas story, God grabs people's attention. Angels show up. Prophecies are given. Things occur. Stars in the sky. All through the Christmas story, God is getting people's attention. But it's not, his, it's not their attention that he's after. 
God's not after your attention. God's not after your your affinity and understanding that he exists, your even good church behavior. He's not after that. He's not after your attention. Just like he wasn't after their attention in the story. You know what he's after? He's after your affection. He's after your heart. He's after your love and your adoration. See, every person in the Christmas story as it was being written and unfolding, they all had their attention grabbed by God. Today you are here because God has your attention a little bit. Maybe you saw an invite on Facebook or some floating animated version of my face and you're like, hey, I'm going to go to that church. That's kind of weird. Or or, or maybe you're here because somebody invited you or drugged you or promised you something fun afterwards. I don't know why you're here. All I know is that God's got your attention right now, but that's not really what he's after. Like every person in the Christmas story, once he had their attention, they followed that star and followed the instructions and took some steps and found themselves at a place where they finally got down in surrender and offered of their own will, their affection. God is after your affection today. God is after your surrender today. God wants to write a storybook ending that brings him glory and reveals his goodness to other people around you. But he will not write the story with your, if you're still holding the pen. My question to you today is not, do you believe in God? Not, do you believe that he's good and that church is important? No, no. my question to you today is, does God have your affection? My question is, are you holding the pen of your life, controlling, deciding, navigating, or have you allowed God Almighty to author your life? Today, the invitation isn't come and have awareness of a baby that came, that eventually grew up, died on a cross to save you and forgive you and make you feel good for a few minutes. No, that's not the offer. Today, the offer is get rid of the pen, drop it, and let God finally have full control of your heart and your life and let him write a destiny and an ending point that forever changes your story for the better. That's what I'm asking you. Will you trust God enough to give him the pen? Will you trust him enough to let him author your life? God loves you. He's crazy about you. He knows right where you're at. He knows the sadness, the pain, the hurt. He knows the arrogance. He knows the past. He knows it all. And he's crazy about you. He loves you. God is for you. Peace on this earth and goodwill toward you and towards me. And if we'll allow God to be the author of our lives, he'll write redemption over every regret you've ever had. He'll write possibility and purpose where you feel lack of hope. He will write it in such a way that your your attention and your awareness is not just on the gift, but on the giver of the gift. He will help bring satisfaction 
where all you've known is disappointment. He's not going to make everything smooth and perfect, but he will always be present with his peace. That's the power of God authoring your story and my story. I'm going to invite you. Would you just take a minute? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Ask that for just another minute, nobody move around. Is God the author of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him or are you still holding on to some control? Are you still trying to determine and use your good works and work real hard and strive and earn something that was meant to be a gift for you? Today, God has a gift for you. It's called salvation. It's called a fresh start. It's called redemption. And if you will surrender the pen and surrender your story and allow him to write it, you'll experience the greatest peace and understanding that joy will show up this Christmas because Jesus has entered your story. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life, surrender my affection, and I want to give the pen over to God and ask him to be the author and the savior of my life. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air? We want to pray for you. Hands are going up. Go ahead, just put them up and hang on to them just for a second. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Saying, yes, I want to, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I want to surrender my life. Yes, I need him to author my story. Friends, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer together. Will you pray with me? Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to this earth for me. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. God, I repent for all of my past and for holding on to the pen. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. You be the Lord. You be in charge. You be the author of my life and my story. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for saving me and setting me free. Thank you for the joy of Christmas. That is Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer in this room or listening later online. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts right here, right now, Lord, that there would be a peace, there would be a joy, there would be a contentment, there would be, there would be a, a shifting, Lord. It's almost as if the mood music begins to shift in our own heart right now as the story has taken a shift. It's taken a turn because you are authoring our lives. And so, Father, I pray for every family represented in this room, God, whatever the next couple days events hold, whether they're busy or, or slow, whether it's full with lots of people or very few people, Jesus, that we would find joy of Christmas because you are in our lives. You have our attention and you have our full affection. 
God, we give it all to you and we celebrate you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of new life and fresh starts in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. And everybody said, amen.